This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 79 of Aviation Careers Podcast. Uh, Thanks for your patience. We had to pause for a few weeks as far as the podcast is concerned, and uh, my, uh, my mom actually was ill and uh, passed away. So thanks a lot for your, uh, the people that wrote in and were supporting me throughout this whole uh, ordeal. But uh, we are back on track finally, and uh, we are starting back with this show. This show is going to be a catch-up on all the different emails. Um, we've, the next few episodes will probably be more answering emails because we are, do have quite a backlog now. So we're going to try to catch up on as many as we can. As you can tell, I'm here alone in the studio. Uh, normally we have uh, either another host on with us, but uh, but today we're going to try to run this uh, show solo. We have so many questions to answer. Uh, also, an update on aerospace uh careers book the ebook we uh, had to put that on pause it was supposed to come out next uh, excuse me last month and i think it's going to come out this month in march uh, again we're going to try to catch up on getting all that done and uh, you know we we get a lot of emails and people asking if i'm available for coaching yes i am just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and go to the coaching page also if you have any feedback please send it to us uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash feedback or excuse me slash contact also we have an email address, feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. Now, what we have done, because of the fact that we're getting so many emails, and it's been wonderful to hear from you all, uh, we are actually, uh, I'm having uh, my assistant, Russ, who also is the person that does all the scholarships and administration of the scholarships, answer you quickly and uh, put you in a queue as far as the uh, answers to your questions. I try to answer your questions individually, and then what I'll do is I de-identify them, and I share your questions on the podcast, and uh, and then we, you know, so everybody else can can actually benefit from your, your question. Of course, uh, we try not to give any personal information away. If you mention schools, uh, locations, etc., we'll probably take that out of there. We don't uh, try to promote too many schools. We like to have them come on and get an interview right here. We also have uh, some technical videos that we've been placing out there. What we're going to be doing is splitting off. As you know, I have expertaviator.com, which is my general blog that includes Stuck My Gavcast, etc., and all the other stuff I do with a safety team. A lot of uh, you folks have said, you know, I'm really interested in careers, and we're gonna, we're going to put the technical videos, like on the flying videos, etc., into Expert Aviator, but also uh, your membership here uh, will enable you to look at those videos so you'll still be able to get to see all the technical videos another thing is just as a reminder uh, we still have the the five dollar a month membership if you're interested in scholarships um, maybe start there and uh, then we also have the fifty dollar a year membership which what we do there is we keep you up to date we've paused on on actually all the scholarship editions for now until the book comes out and then we start uh, adding the ebook will also be in Amazon and iBooks, and it'll be downloadable from the website for all those members. Anyway, let's get on with the show. We have a lot of questions, and I'm really excited to be here to talk about these questions. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to help folks with their careers. And as you know, in the past, that's, uh, I've spent hours and hours on the phone giving advice to people uh, that were with the airlines and trying to find a new job. But we here have been able to 
put this together, and the reason I put it together is to have an avenue of people that are not in the airlines right now. Again, be careful what you uh, what you you know talk about with the airline folks that are in the airlines, because some people have different perceptions. I'll give you an example before we get started with the questions. Um, I flew with a couple guys today. Uh, no, excuse me, a couple days ago, and they were uh, gosh a little bit burnt out in the career. Uh, the captain was like, gosh, I don't know how you can, you're going to make it all the way through this career. And the first officer says, oh, I'm just burnt out, etc." The biggest thing you need to do is figure out why that is. Uh, what, what were you doing differently in your aviation career? If you're listening and you're burnt out right now, maybe, maybe it's not just aviation, whatever job you're in. Why are you burnt out? Is it because uh, you're in your job now and you, you feel stuck and you want to move forward? Uh, is it uh, that you've changed something in your life? A good example. Uh, people, when they go on overnights, pilots they and flight crew, all the crew, they sometimes go out. And a lot of times that stops over the years. Uh, as you get older, you have kids, you have more obligations in life, and you start getting a little bit burnt out for a couple of reasons. Number one, <laughs> when you're on the overnight, you want to sleep. And, uh, you know, when you have kids at home, sometimes you can't sleep. So what a lot of these folks do is they tell me, hey, Carl, you know, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to go out. Well, what happens is then... Uh, when you stop going out and seeing the world, uh, all these destinations just become a hotel room. And it's just like the hotel room around the block. It doesn't matter where you are. It's just a hotel room. I encourage you, if you are getting burned out, do something on one of your overnights uh, and, and get out and explore. Uh, research it before you get there. Good example is tomorrow I'm going to St. Martin. Well, you know, some people get bored with sitting on the beach and, and hanging out. Well, there's a lot of different uh, historical sites that you can go to. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to head to one of the historical sites. Uh, not that I mind being on the beach, but I'd like to check out the town. So those are the kind of things you can do, just little things. Go out and do one small thing. Uh, learn something. Learn something about the culture of where you are. Uh, in the United States, gosh, I've gone to so many airports throughout the United States. One of the most exciting things about my job is the fact I can get to certain destinations. The flying itself is challenging, but you know what? I can do that here at my local airport. I can do air, you know, <laughs> approaches to minimums, etc. What what the best part of my job is actually getting to these destinations and checking them out. Flying's fun too, so you get both of those. And really, the challenge is the takeoffs and landings. Uh, and when you're sitting there five hours in route, yes, I understand. You know, six, seven hours in an airplane can get quite boring in, in cruise flight. So you have to kind of, kind of, you know, change that in your world, change that in your mind, and, and try to make something exciting about whatever job it is you're doing, no matter where you are in life. And of course, wherever you are, uh, you should do the best job you can and, and keep moving forward and making sure that there's something that is going to actually motivate you to move forward. So make sure whatever you're doing today, uh, you're looking at your future, whether it's in your career now and you're looking at a career in aviation, you don't have a career in aviation, figure out why it is you don't you want to leave your job. Maybe there's something you can change and, and you might be satisfied with the current job. But if it's something in aviation, say you're in there now and you're burnt out, figure out why that is and move forward. I'd love to hear your feedback on that and what you've done to prevent yourself from becoming burnt out. I did it. I, uh, I got a little bit burnt out and I found out one of the things I was missing in my life is I love to teach. And uh, so what I started doing is volunteering and helping people, helping people with their careers and also teaching in a school. So that's what I do now. And that's prevented me from getting a little bit burnt out. Although my job now 
it's kind of hard to get burnt out because that's I most of my trips are to the Caribbean. I absolutely love the Caribbean, learning so much about the history. So there's the excitement about the job. Also, another thing, uh, when you do get into an aviation job, especially with the airlines, as you move up, you start becoming a captain and a major, etc. It's very difficult uh, to leave your job because you feel trapped. You feel trapped by your income. You know, you're making between 100 and 300 thousand a year. You're going to start feeling, gosh, I can't leave this job because there's very few other jobs that you can make that kind of money. Uh, so that that's another reason you feel trapped. My advice, you know, try to keep your expenses low. And uh, if you want to move on to a different career, that'll enable you to do that a lot easier. No matter what it is you do, keep your expenses low. Okay, well, let's move on to some of the questions that we have here and, uh, and see what uh, our first question is. Hello, I recently found my way to your podcast by way of the Stuck Mike Avcast. And by the way, if you want to listen to Stuck Mike Avcast, you can click on that from the screen at Aviation Curse Podcast. He continues, I'm enjoying working my way through the archives of both shows. You have amassed a great collection of content that is very interesting to listen to. First off, before I pose my question slash conundrum, let me give you the backstory on me and my aviation history. I was slash am a commercial single-engine multi-rated pilot. I also was a CFI slash double I. I instructed for a year right out of my flight school. I moved into the charter department and flew single pilot caravan flights, both cargo and charter passenger for a little while, over a year and a half. I've amassed over 1,200 hours, over 500 of which is in the 208, Cessna 208. In April, I suffered an injury. This is April of 08. He suffered an injury to his leg and foot through a long, convoluted process, beginning with botched surgery and ending with limited use of my foot. I lost my medical. I was told by my doctors that I would not recover, so I let my CFIs lapse. I spent the last six years going through a second corrective surgery, multiple rounds of physical therapy, and rehab. I regained the majority of the use of my foot and leg. This summer, I petitioned the FAA for my medical and demonstrated for an unrestricted first class. Two weeks ago, I completed my BFR and now can finally go solo in rental again. That's awesome. Great story. He continues, now I'm facing a daunting challenge of getting back to some sort of career flying. My life is also in a different place than it was in 2008. I'm now uh, in a different state, married with two boys. I'm trying to figure out how to not only tackle getting all my ratings current, but finding, uh, but funding it as well. Feels like I'm now both digging out of a hole and climbing a mountain of dung at the same time. That's an interesting description of that. I'm still paying a student loan I took out for my CFII back in 2005, so I'm trying to find options that will not run up a huge debt in the process. I've heard you talking a lot about scholarships in, the few, in a few episodes. From what I can tell, though, they're all aimed at the new up-and-coming student. Not the life threw you a curveball, and now you're trying to get back on on the horse guy. Ideally, I would love to get back in the caravan. I love flying it. I was never on the track for an airline career. I was dreaming back in the day to move to the Pilatus PC-12, and then something in the corporate charter world. Any advice you can offer will be greatly appreciated. First advice is hold on to that goal. You defined it right there. Uh, you, you want to fly a Pilatus PC-12 and then something in the corporate slash charter world. Make sure you've defined your goal, what you've done in general. You always want to do that. Uh, finding money, yes, there's there's uh, it, it's getting a little bit easier. Uh, remember, a lot of these scholarships, yes, they're geared towards people that are just starting out in their careers. Uh, but there's also 
other scholarships that are based on your demographics, based on your background, based on uh, where you live, what type of, of, of school you're going to, go towards uh, any organizations that you, you are involved with. We're putting more and more um, of those scholarships on. Let me give you an example. The uh, Women in Aviation. If you join Women in Aviation, there's a lot of scholarships available, and they're not all for women. They're open to a lot of different people. Uh, say you are uh, uh, American Indian. There's some scholarships there, uh, or Native American. So there's many, many different types of scholarships uh, for whatever background you have, so I'd, I'd encourage you to look at those. We're putting more and more of those on the website. Like I said, we've paused. Uh, we've got about 140 scholarships out on the website now. I've got about another 400 that are moving into it. Uh, but we're and that's our next that's our next goal for the next year is try to get uh, most of the scholarships out there and they they vary by state and county etc. Uh, the other thing too, if it's a little push that you need to move into your career uh, or back into your career, uh, say it's a financial push, it depends on your situation. Sometimes it's good to go over with a financial counselor, but if you can. Uh, sometimes, and I'm not a big fan of loans, but if you have to take a loan, like on a credit card or something like that, make it a small one. Uh, maybe it's just something that'll get you back in the cockpit and then boom, you're making money right away. Uh, so that might be worth it right there, as long as you can justify it. For instance, say you uh, need to get your CFI renewed. And when getting your CFI renewed, you have a job waiting for you, which isn't you know unheard of these days because of the shortage of CFIs. So that's something I would suggest is uh, start looking at the financial part of that because it sounds like you have quite a, a few things that you're trying to pay off right now, and then move forward. Uh, just you know, food for thought. Run it by your family. That's another important thing. Run it by your wife. Uh, but anyway, thanks for the question. I I really really appreciate that. Moving on to the next question. Uh, he says, an idea for a new podcast. It says, hi, I received my first solo pilot certificate. I was 15, but had to let it lapse due to money problems. Okay, so now he's 25, or excuse me, 24, and an EMT firefighter, which I've been for doing for the last seven years. I'm just now getting back into aviation, and your podcast has opened my eyes to many new kinds of flying, such as your Mission Pilot podcast, and sparked new interest for others, such as CFI. Being a firefighter and flying... Nut, I naturally have a curiosity about aerial firefighting, but there isn't much out there about the subject. Knowing that it's not fire season now, I was wondering if you could dig up an aerial firefighter pilot and interview them. Hey, you know, I'm really glad that you've decided to follow your passion in life. Uh, I do have a few people in mind for aerial firefighting. It's a great idea, and uh, there's a couple options. Uh, I know a lot of aerial firefighters that are uh, out there in helicopters, uh, and others, in, others in airplanes, and actually one of them is a really good air show pilot and talk to her a little bit about possibility of doing that. Just getting in her schedule has been kind of tough. So great idea. It's a great career. It's a little bit dangerous, uh, obviously. Flying low, slow, and uh, you're also near the fire. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're not immune to that being an EMT and a firefighter. Uh, that is that that is an incredibly, incredibly rewarding job, and, I, and I'd, I'd really uh, encourage you to pursue that. Uh, but, yeah, we're uh, looking for somebody right now and we will hopefully have them on the podcast in the next month or two. Next, uh, next email uh, says it's about a training washout. It says, hi, Carl. I'm a real fan of yours and had a lot of inspiration from listening to your podcast in the last five years. Um, here's his story. As a flight instructor, for the last few years, mostly doing private and intro flight. Um, I actually uh, visited with him once. Um, but he has, he's holding a CFI double and he had an MEI with no failure on his record. When he hit 1,500 hours, I got hired with one of the regionals. Unfortunately, I wasn't ready for my check ride after nine sessions and was sent home for a reschedule on extra sim rides. After a couple weeks, I got a call from the chief pilot 
recommending me to resign. Since then, I've been trying to get hired with other regionals, but no luck, which I was told by the recruiters that it's the fail-to-finish 121 training that's on your record. I'm not young, I'm over 40, and feel like I burned myself in the industry. I'm also married and have one kid with another one on the way, which make it difficult to relocate or move whenever I want. I will appreciate your advice, and thank you for all the years of inspiration. You know, I'm really glad that the the podcast has helped you. And uh, concerning your training and the continued pursuit of an airline job, there's a few things that I would suggest. Uh, First, uh, determine why you were not able to complete the training. Uh, Second, get the experience and or training to enable you to pass the training in the future. Third, prepare to explain to a recruiter, the person that's interviewing you, what you've done to enable you to pass the 121 training in the future, okay? You know, there's many people have been through this, and there's a lot, you're not in the same, you know, there's a lot of people in the same boat. Uh, what you need to do is just tell them, hey, listen, this is what happened. Uh, you mentioned that you've been training private pilots and flying intro flights, and I'm assuming you don't do much IFR flying. One of the most common causes of pilots not completing the training is due to the lack of experience flying IFR. You, know, you might want to get some more experience, uh, both real-world IFR flying and in the simulator. Uh, you know, I, in my experience, pilots unable to complete 121 training were able to restart their careers with additional training and experience. With that said, a recruiter is going to want to know what you've done to prepare for and why you feel you will successfully complete your next 121 training event. I really, I really hope that you'll uh, look forward to that. He actually responded to me uh, on an email I sent, and uh, he, he said he's going he's gonna to continue to pursue his dream. Uh, it might take some time, money-wise, as he said, but he's just hope he's not going to lose the momentum. That's the important thing, is not losing the momentum. Hey, listen, uh, to everybody out there listening right now, make sure you're ready for the training uh, 121. It's very important. And one of the things I really highly suggest is know your IFR procedures and also be able to fly IFR. Uh, it's it's happening again where uh, a lot there's more and more uh, discontinuances in the training departments due to the lack of IFR experience and IFR flying skills. Uh, straight level climbs, turns, and descents. Uh, those are the skills that you have to have being able to track, being able to decide what uh, your holding pattern is, etc. Make sure you can do that. Uh, you don't have to go on an airplane to do that. Go through it procedurally in a uh, simulator and make sure you're ready to do that because that's what you're going to be doing in the sim. And a lot of, of the uh, regional airlines now are having people do those things in the simulator before they even move on with their training. Next email. Hi, Carl. The last time I wrote you, I had just accepted my first aviation job, and now it's about time to take the next step in my aviation career. I have about two months left on my one-year obligation to my current aviation employer. As of today, I'm sitting on 1,400 total time and 400 multi. I meet all the ATP minimums except the 1,500 total time, lots of night, cross-country, and actual instrument time flying coast-to-coast. I've contacted a few regionals by phone and talked to some recruiters, and all have invited me to apply with an offer to come to in an interview after they review my application. I've done a lot of research on forums, and there seems to be a flavor of the month when it comes to regional airlines. I have uh, the top of my list, uh, SkyWest and Commute Air. I'm considering quality of life, pay for the first year and second year, upgrade time and airframe uh, type. Do you have any advice on different regionals and what to look for and any you'd recommend or stay away from? 
Let me tell you why I like SkyWest. Okay, normally we don't mention airlines, but this is good. I like his I like his his thought process. So I want you to go through this with me. First, I could probably get Chicago out of training and live about an hour away. The second year pay goes up to thirty nine an hour, and it's jet time, which is a plus and far down my list of wants. Um, what I don't like is the first year pay is twenty four an hour and long upgrade time of approximately seven years. And now he goes on to the commute air argument. He says, I like commute air because of the new contract they have. First year pay is 30 an hour, quick upgrade time, approximately two and a half years. And I have an international, excuse me, internal recommendation slash friend. They're all ready to mentor me and show me the ropes. What I don't like is a commute. Second year pay is only 32 an hour and it's turboprop time. So Carl, what do you think? Thanks in advance for the advice. Also, I'd like to talk to your listeners about Ways to save on training by buying a plane to obtain your ratings. I was uh, about to get uh, uh, commercial single-engine land, commercial multi-engine land, uh, instrument airplane, and CFII for ten thousand. I got uh, that, and I got a payoff for the nineteen eighty-five Warrior. I'd love to hear that story uh, if you could. Maybe even write it in, and I can read it. But uh, we'll try to try to get you on, or um, even you know, do a quick recording. That'd be really really interesting. Uh, he actually continues on with a couple more questions. Um, but, uh, and we'll get to those also, but as far as the, uh, the situation there with the two different airlines, great comparisons. One has higher pay, flying a jet, uh, long upgrade times. The other one is, uh, it's a turboprop time, uh, low upgrade times and actually in a, uh, a turboprop. I will say this, uh, there's many other things you mentioned commute. The commute is very important. Uh, because you're going to get more burnt out by commuting. Listen, I'm doing it right now. I'm going to finish this recording. i got to jump in, put my uniform on, run to the airport, and get up to New York before the snowstorm hits. That's uh, coming today. There's a big snowstorm. Uh, that commute is really getting old. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to be changing bases again uh, to a climate where I have to, don't have to deal with that. Being close to work <laughs> means a lot. Uh, being able to drive to work. Let me mention this now. Being able to drive to work, this is a totally different job. I spend so many days commuting back and forth to work. I actually have to block out a day for commuting a lot of times, especially if there's an early show. So even though I may have 16 days off, I could spend, uh, <laughs> honestly, I spend about six hours getting from my house to where I stay uh, up in the New York area, and that's on a good day. It's a total of six hours. Sometimes it takes me eight to 12 hours. Uh, sometimes it takes me uh, 18 to 24, depending on the weather. Uh, keep that in mind. So that's a lot of time you're away from home. Uh, but again, you're looking at a shorter commute. It's a slower upgrade time. Yes, it's jet time. Uh, turbine PIC is pretty important. Uh, remember the airlines, they look at the PIC time. If you can get that turbine PIC, that would be great. Uh, also, if there's ever a slowdown in the industry, You'll be having that PIC time is going to be extremely important. These are the decisions you have to make with your family and say, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is the pay. This is what it's going to be. Of course, you're flying a jet. You're going to make more money. Uh, if you can suck up the the time, you know, you know, the money time, excuse me, the, the lack of money and say, hey, I'm going to do this, uh, you know, maybe getting the, the PIC time will be good. You can always go to another uh, regional that has a jet later on. But again, you really have to look at your situation. Everybody's is different. Um, also, he continues on. There's a lot of really good questions here. Uh, first, he asks, how many regionals at once should I apply for? Every single one that you want to work for. That's my answer, okay? Uh, he said he has his eye on three right now. Uh, then, you know, then let's say you get invited for all three interviews. 
what do I do? Do I go to all three? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always nice to be invited to the dance. Uh, so if you've got three people, three prospects, you need to go out there and and, add, and, and, and honestly go in there and say, hey, listen, I think I want to f- work here. If there's an... An interview that you don't want to go to, you might want to cancel, but I wouldn't. You know, you never know. Go to the interview. You might find out something about the company you don't know. Because remember, remember, an interview is a two-way street. You know, you're asking them questions. You need to find out more about that company. You don't know everything about that company. And even when you work there, you don't know everything. So try to get to that interview. Pick their brains. You know, ask as many questions as you can about that company. Uh, say you do get all three offers you then ask. Then what do you do? Uh, I don't want to burn any bridges in my process. What is the most professional way to do this? Listen, uh, the most professional way to do that is if you get an offer and you don't want it, you tell them, listen, uh, you know, thank you, uh, but no thanks. I've decided to go with this airline because it's closer to home. Great answer. Uh, don't do what some people have done. Uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> and I've mentioned this before, I, I helped uh, a group of furloughed pilots get jobs at a certain airline. Uh, after a while, that airline didn't want to talk to any of our pilots, and I'll tell you why. They would uh, schedule uh, training for those pilots, and half of them wouldn't show up at some of those training sessions. They would schedule interviews. A lot of folks wouldn't show up for the interviews. So what they asked me is give the whole list of all the pilots that I had that wanted to come for an interview, and they just blew through them really fast. Uh, The reason being is the fact that people were just showing up and saying, I'm coming to training a day before training, they don't show up, or they, they just don't show up, period. Uh, halfway through training, they say, "Hey, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore." So it's, it's getting they're getting a little more directed in the way that they're doing their interviews to see if you're going to be successful. Uh, I do have one airline that did, the, the, one of the recruiters at the airlines uh, has said to me in a commuter, uh, they can tell uh, usually which ones are going to be successful. The toughest ones are the ones that go to the turboprop uh, airlines a lot of times, and uh, they decide that they're going to leave. You know, those are the most challenging, is, uh, especially career changers. Younger people doesn't matter as much, but uh, if you're changing careers and you go to a turboprop, it's going to be a lot less money. Most professional way, again, you say thank you for the interview. Uh, I've decided to go with this airline, and this is why. Uh, that story can change later on. There are some airlines out there. Uh, I, I'm not going to mention any names, obviously, but there are, and do the research. It's all over the Internet. Uh, that if you do turn down a job with that airline, you can never apply again, both on the major and the regional side. Once you've said no, it's no forever because they have so many other applicants. So just think about that um, as, as your options. Uh, so again, make sure you tell them you're not coming. Anyway, the, on to the next question. Again, thanks for those awesome questions. Uh, on to the next email. Uh, here's an airline advice, career update, and thank yous. Uh, hello, Carl. Greetings from chilly northern New Jersey. I wanted to reach out to you while I had a free moment. Last time I wrote into you was summer of 2013. I was a student and was seeking advice on how to successfully pass the CFI initial in the multi-engine given the high first-time fail rate. My worry at the time was I had successfully passed all check rides up to that point, and I was hoping to keep that perfect airman record going forward. I am so pleased to tell you that your advice worked. I had passed the CFI initial in the multi-engine on the first try with an FAA inspector. Awesome. Congratulations. He continues. Since then, I also completed the single-engine add-on and the CFII, maintaining a 100% pass rate. If it weren't for your advice to be overprepared and listening to this podcast and the Stuck Mike Avcast, I honestly can't say how successful I might have been. So I really want to say thank you. And you have absolutely no clue as to how much everything you at Aviation Careers Podcast and the Stuck Mike Abcast do 
and continues to do for aviators and helping us. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you said that because uh, it, that's basically what motivates me to do this. Uh, it certainly isn't the pay. It's a lot of fun, and it's great to, to hear your stories, and uh, it keeps me extremely motivated, so I, I appreciate those kind of stories. Uh, just an update. You always ask us to continue to better ourselves and careers, so I started instructing for a school under a year now. I've completed just shy of a 1,000 hours, met all the ATP certificate minimums except for the total time. I have successfully given 18 sign-offs with no failures. Awesome. Uh, Just finishing up my four-year degree uh, with completion of my current certification and in the process of getting a tailwind endorsement. The ride has been incredible unexplainable, stressful, and exhausting, but so worth it. I'm certain without a doubt I'm going to the airlines. It has been a dream since I was a young kid. I currently have applications with the top two airlines of my choice. With this said, I turn to you once again for advice. I'm wondering what I should do to prepare for the airlines and in dock. I'm unfamiliar with jets since my whole career has been flying, you know, Pipers, Twins, Cessna 172s. I've purchased a Turbine Pilot's flight manual, advanced aircraft systems, and everything explained for the professional pilot, and absorbing as much as I can. Again, I want to succeed the first time around when the time comes. Thank for your time and dedication, and please pass along my gratitude to Sean, Rick, Victoria, Eric, Tom, and Len when you speak with them. Thanks from the heart, and fly safe. Well, thanks so much, and and I'll pass it along to the other co-hosts at Stuck Mike Avcast. Remember, Stuck Mike Avcast is more a a GA podcast. We do uh, talk a little bit about some technical aspects of aviation. Uh, This is just strictly careers here. Uh, That is so much fun uh, because I get to... I get to bring my passion for general aviation out, which I don't really get to do so much on this podcast, but I absolutely love talking and flying general aviation uh, and going to all these light sport aircraft shows. Remember, when you're flying that 747 or 787 or around the world, uh, don't forget your grassroots, where you came from, uh, and the passion for flying that you had. You still sit there, I do, uh, in amazement looking at some of these small planes while they're flying around. Uh, again, appreciate that, and I'm glad that you're moving forward. I would give you advice as far as preparing. Uh, you would be who of you to do this. Number one, make sure you have everything memorized before you get to training. Most training departments will send you something to memorize limitations, uh, memory items, and some or certain other things. Uh, you also have that down pat before you get there. Uh, if you don't, you're going to get really behind. Uh, number two, be ready to be an instrument pilot. Uh, you have to be able to fly instruments, IFR. Know the rules, know how to fly IFR, jump in a simulator. Number three, get as much rest as possible. Prepare your family for the process. You know, it's just with the flight team. I coach a flight team here in Florida, and one, one of the things that we were discussing is, uh, you know, moving forward uh, with your career and making it through training. If anybody's in the military has gone through basic training, they'll tell you they could probably do it again, and, but it's the first time that's the toughest. It's psychological. You don't get much rest during training. A lot of people, most people get sick because of the lack of rest and also the stress. Because every day it's like pass or fire, pass or fire. Of course, you get get a couple chances on some of the check rides. But, uh, you know, there's always the possibility of you getting fired and then having to find another job. And that's that's uh, somewhat difficult. So, uh, so you really need to get your family in order when you leave for training. I had to tell my family, listen... Uh, and I was, you know, I had a, uh, you know, a parent that was sick and I said, Hey, listen, you know, we, I've got to go to this training and I can't come out for six weeks and, you know, or however long it was. And, 
and I really need to concentrate on that. So everybody knew uh, not to get in touch with me for six weeks. It was pretty tough trying to do the podcast, too, during that period. Uh, but as you can tell, we went to every other week at that point. <laughs> but uh, yes, and read those books. Turbine Pilot's Flight Manual is awesome for explaining the systems. Helped me tremendously uh, when, I, when I got that. Anyway, moving on to the next question. That, that was a great question. I hope that's helped. Next question is, or next email, hope all is well. Uh, getting the first class medical right now is proving elusive at the moment for me, but I decided to get involved in aviation in a different position for the time being. Today I was hired by Air France as a passenger service agent in JFK. I'll get to work in the airport and be around aircraft crews, different people. I can't wait to start, which will be mid-January, which was actually uh, has gone and passed. Uh, you are an inspiration for me. You know, that's really awesome. You know, at least you get to be around airplanes. I did the same thing, by the way. Uh, I went to work for an FBO. Uh, as a matter of fact, the one of the flight instructors that worked at the FBO and at the flight school, I just saw him as a captain with the airline that I'm work, working for now. Um, uh, by the way, uh, my friend, I helped get a job. The airline uh, lost his medical a few weeks ago, and he just... Uh, decided to try and work uh, in the Veterans Initiatives Program, and now he's chairman of that committee. He still gets to work for the airline while he's out on medical leave. The point is that there's many jobs at the airlines besides flying, and if aviation is your passion, you can still fulfill that passion, even if you can't fly. Uh, with that said, I hope you're able to get your first-class medical back. Uh, that That is truly, truly awesome. Next email uh, comes in, and... Uh, it's actually from uh, somebody who, uh, another fellow podcaster, who said that he listened to the Stuck Mike Avcast episode 83. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning it here is because I talked about the Veterans Airlift Command. Uh, it's a organization that flies veterans post-9-11 uh, veterans to their uh, uh, medical uh, treatments. And it's a really awesome, awesome organization. He said he gave $500 as a result of my conversation with him. If you get a chance to listen to one interview, go there to Stuck Mike Avcast uh, 83 episode. You can do a, a search on SMAC 083, or, uh, or there will be a link in the show notes here at Aviation Careers Podcast slash 79. Um, <clears throat> I'm really inspired uh, that you were able to give, you know, inspired by the fact that that conversation inspired you to give. It's truly a wonderful organization, and uh, I really, I really like to promote everything uh, that has to do with veterans and helping our veterans, because uh, a lot of times the process uh, for them to get medical care, et cetera, can be long, hard, and uh, it also uh, isn't quite uh, that efficient. There's lots of organizations out there to help. Uh, we're actually trying to, to put together a, a directory of those right now, uh, another side project we have. Uh, moving on to the next email, it says, Dear Carl, I hope you are well. I wanted to tell you I'm a huge fan of yours and your podcast, uh, so I trust you to you would tell me. Trust what you would tell me. Uh, I'm 44 years old with a business that's doing very well to a point I have a staff that could run the operation while I'm chasing my dream of flying. I currently have 1,400 hours with 261 multi-engine hours. I recently was on a flight to Los Angeles and sat next to someone from a regional airline who is willing to help me get in as soon as I have an ATP. I need your advice as I fear at 44 I'm too old to fly for a major airline. I have an MBA as well. My question is, am I too old to chase this? If, if you tell me no, I'm okay with it as I don't want to waste my time anymore. Thank you and look forward to hearing from you. Well, first of all, it's never too late to start, but you must be practical as to how many years you're going to work for a major. You know, I always recommend give yourself five to ten years from the time you start uh, until you get to a major airline. Uh, this is due to the possibility of downturns in the economy, 
uh, your specific airline uh, changing, et cetera. You know, the, the regionals can be a final career position, but with the manner in which the airlines are hiring more and more subcontractors at large, uh, such as large regionals, uh, some of these can be here today and gone tomorrow as far as the regionals are concerned. So uh, there's been a trend amongst many career regional pilots to move on to the majors due to this fact. Uh, you know, but, but the thing is this. If you get on with a major and you never make captain, it's, you know, it's not so bad. Uh, remember that you're going to make twice as much at a, at a major as you are at a regional. So if you do make it to the majors, you never make captain. Uh, you know, remember you'll make, Maybe oh gosh, you know, sixty percent, fifty percent of the pay is a captain, but but still, that pay is still better than the regionals. Now the problem is when you get with the regionals after five, ten years, you're making really good money. You have to start over again at the at the majors. It's going to take you about three years uh, to really, uh, on a conservative basis, to catch up to what your pay was at the regionals. Um, for me, it actually was the second year. For many people, it's the first year, uh, depending on what regional they work for. Concerning your business, uh, you know, I've owned a few businesses and found that when other, excuse me, other people run the business, it usually diminishes. Uh, it depends on, on who you have running the business. So, you know, a good manager does not always make a good president and a quote-unquote face of the company. Now, with that said, I have uh, someone running my uh, one of my businesses right now, and she does a great job. So, uh, you, you never know. You know, my advice on your aviation career is to go for it if you've always wanted to fly for the airlines. For instance, in your situation, you can return to your previous career if you needed to, and you can always say that you worked as an airline pilot. Uh, you know, you're very close to the minimums for ATP, and, and by the way, many regions are hiring with less than ATP minimums as long as you get your ATP before training. So that's my advice there. You know, think about it. Uh, I, would, I would definitely consider it as far as your goal being the majors. Uh, remember that a lot of regionals are bigger than the majors. The regional that I came from was uh, twice the size of uh, the major that I was working at, at the time. Uh, it was twice the size. Um, there are some huge, huge regionals out there, and they're just growing like crazy. Um, anyway, moving on to the next question. I hope that's helped, by the way. Uh, next question is our next email. Uh, says, hi, I really enjoy your podcast and saw that there are frequent listener questions. I would love to hear what you thought about Tilt Rotor, V-22 Osprey time, and airline hiring. I know that it falls within the powered lift category along with Harrier jets. We just have rotors instead of thrust nozzles. I love that. Uh, I would venture to guess that while no one would bat an eye at counting Harrier time towards fixed wing minimums, many would look at an Osprey and immediately think helicopter. That makes sense as it replaced a helicopter and can land vertically. One of the biggest shifts in cultural mindset that we've been trying to change within the military is to not think of it as a fast helicopter, but as an aircraft that can land vertically. We operate almost like a small uh, C-130 in many ways. I know it sounds like a bit of a sales pitch, but tilt rotors fly 90% of their time as an airplanes, routinely performing rolling takeoffs and landings and spend a substantial amount of their time in IFR route structure, usually between eight and 15,000. Not to mention that it is a multi-crew, glass cockpit, FMS-equipped aircraft. We've even flown them across the Atlantic several times. I have a feeling that it hasn't really been much of a concern as it's such a specialized case, but we are approaching the point where there will be a considerable number of military tilt rotor pilots with a couple thousand hours of time finishing up their commitments and possibly looking at continuing in civil aviation. We'd love to hear your thoughts where they might fit in. 
Thanks. Well, thanks for the question. And again, sorry for the late response. Uh, I'll be discussing this topic on an upcoming episode uh, of the podcast with a military transition specialist. Uh, we actually had to cancel that episode because of certain things that were going on in my life, obviously. Uh, but we'll definitely answer this one. But uh, from what I've, I've, my experience, the airlines uh, like the flying experience. But remember, you'll still need to get your multi-engine ATP to get hired. And I'm sure you'll not have a huge sell of the airlines that your time is valuable. With that said, you'll be competing with those who have 8,000 hours of jet transport time. Some hiring departments are changing their attitude towards tilt rotors, but this is happening slowly. As was related to me by a hiring manager, quote, We'd like to hire people with jet transport time, but those flying turboprops are also highly considered, especially military pilots. You know, this statement reflects uh, that of many of the hiring managers. I think the future will see managers substitute, quote-unquote, turboprops with all military flying. You know, I, 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 look, I hope this helps, and, and look forward to this topic on an upcoming episode. It's really, really, really an interesting one. Anyway, moving on to the next uh, email that we got. It uh, says, Hi, Carl. We talked on a bus ride back to the parking lot in Tampa Airport. That's where I commute from, by the way, a couple weeks ago. I have my commercial single engine with an instrument rating, and I'm trying to finish my multi-engine. I'm trying to do it in the spring semester to be able to graduate with my associates. Uh, I, I'm a paying member. I'm paying membership soon, and I want uh, uh, a scholarship uh, with the multi-engine CFI training. Also, um, it, you know, it, it's really really cool. The I, I know that there are scholar. He wants to know about these scholarships too. I know that there are scholarships for multi-engine training. I'm sure there are for the, the CFI. But uh, you know, I checked with C- with Russ. Uh, who administers the directory, and I'm also glad you're finishing up the uh, uh, associates. It's really good. Highly recommend, of course, you're finishing your bachelor's in the future uh, to make you more competitive uh, for the majors. Uh, But there's, uh, first thing, uh, most of these uh, scholarships, and this is what came from my uh, uh, director of the the, uh, the. Scholarships directory. The first thing you, you need to know is that most scholarships are not based on the rating. They're based more on personal criteria, such as age, gender, membership in an organization, and where you live. Uh, for instance, the ones that are based on flight criteria are usually for type ratings, like the Airbus A320 or the Lear 45, those that we have. With that being said, I'd suggest looking at scholarships such as the AOPA, excuse me, AOPA Student Pilot Scholarship, uh, the Bunny M. Connors Memorial Scholarship, or the Dare to Dream Scholarship. Some of these you might have to pay to join their organization to be eligible to apply, but it could be worth it to pay something like $50 in dues to possibly get $1,000 towards your education. Uh, just uh, he, he suggests, you know, by the way, we have a membership that's only $5 a month. I'd suggest you going out there and maybe doing that and checking out the directory. We also will be offering within the next month the scholarships guide as an ebook, and that'll be $9.95. You also will be able to download that ebook in a PDF format. Uh, for including your membership. So uh, to make it uh, inexpensive, that's the reason I did that, is you can just sign up for one month and get all that information. Of course, it, it, uh, the next month there'll be more out there, but at least you can get the current ones. Uh, so there's there's a, a good chance that you'll uh, you get some money towards your CFI and your multi-engine. Remember this. This is my advice to people looking for money. There's a lot of scholarships out there, and it's been my experience uh, that the when you're looking at scholarships, when people are looking for money, a lot of times uh, they uh, you're going to beat half the competition, maybe up to 80% of the competition, just by filling out the application. Uh, most people want to be uh, 
guided through this process because even though we have a directory with all the scholarships and the application, I can't do the application for you. You know, I've done it. I've helped people with applications, but of course that's on a consulting basis and we do have that under our coaching. Uh, but uh, but it's it's a lot cheaper for you to do it yourself. Take the time, go through the, the application process and send it in. I've talked to other administrators of different scholarships and have said the same thing. Uh, it's just put it out there, apply. You're probably going to get one of them because uh, there's a lot of people that talk about applying but don't do it. I have to, you know, I'm, I'm bringing you to the scholarship. I need you to take the next step. I need you to move forward and actually apply for that scholarship, and that's the most important thing. Once you actually put the application in, then there's your competition. And we talk a little bit about uh, on doing a successful scholarship application, a little bit on the podcast, and I'll talk a little bit about it in my book. Uh, this is really, really a sticking point with scholarships. I can't tell you how many people have, have come up to me and said, hey, which scholarship should I get? Uh, one of the things I would re- highly suggest is doing a little research yourself uh, and doing a, uh, just a, a quick search, etc. cetera. Uh, lots of free money out there. Uh, you just have to take the effort to do it and make the application. Well, folks, this has been great. I've uh, one of the reasons I wanted to go solo today on this uh, on this show is to catch up on our emails. These are the emails that came in uh, from actually two months ago. I'm now catching up uh, to the uh, uh, January February emails or the February emails will be coming up on a following episode. We'll also have that military training. Uh, uh, specialist coming on board too. So remember to, to listen to that. Also highly recommend you going to aviationcareerspodcast.com. I'm putting out more and more videos. Uh, I've been doing uh, the monthly, uh, there's a thing called the FAA safety program. And with each month, they have a topic of the week. I'm actually recording videos and putting them out there. Uh, I'm also putting them on my YouTube channel uh, and they're free. Uh, it's a you know usually a, anyway from a five to 15 minute a topical video uh, it's scripted by the FA, and I just uh, I'm just the voice on it and the producer of the video, and that's at expertaviator.com/slash/youtube, uh, or just go to expertaviator, click on the videos, and you'll find it there. Also, I really highly recommend you going to the website. There's lots of resources at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If uh, and, and I suggest you maybe signing up uh, for some of the information. We have a lot of good information about careers out there, and we also are putting more and more technical videos. Uh, out here and also conjunction with uh, expertaviator.com. That's my other blog and and also where I put more of the technical aspects. Uh, If you're looking towards getting someone to speak, I also do that, but uh, I'm kind of booked up for the next few months. Uh, I do a lot of uh, safety programs, uh, talks, and also on topics like IFR flying, etc., uh, so just shoot us an email. We'll, we'll might be in your area. Uh, who knows at, at whatever time, etc. And by the way, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. I'm going to put a plug in for fasafety.gov. Uh, it's a great organization. It's free training. You can sign up for the wings program. You get a cool little wings you can put on your lapel. Uh, you can get different categories, three different categories, and it's uh, similar to the airline training. It keeps you current, uh, and it also. Uh, will help you uh, say you're moving into the airlines and you don't know much about uh, GPS approaches. It gives you more in-depth, say, uh, on one of those. Uh, That's just one course, for example. So there's lots and lots of good stuff out there. Well, folks, I appreciate the emails. Do me a favor. Go out to uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact. Send us an email. Like I said, uh, Russ will get back to you. He'll schedule uh, all the different uh, answers. I'll try to get back to you in, ri- in writing. I'll also put it on here. Do you identify everything, etc., so it can help out other people. Look forward to, to some of the interviews in the future. And remember, again, like I always say, you know, do something now to move forward in your aviation career, 
no matter what it is. If you're uh, trying to move on to a rating, uh, figure out what you can do this week to maybe complete that cross country, do some maneuvers, prepare for that check ride, read a book, uh, do an oral exam, uh, do a, a, a mock check ride. Do something now. Do something today to move forward with your aviation career. I hope to hear from you uh, next episode. I really appreciate the feedback. And remember, safe flying. And this today is your first step towards your career future. Talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.